I had a bit of regret this morning when I came in. I'm, I'm in a passage where we, we finally get to one of those little iconic moments in Revelation. You know, we, we hit those along the way. We're like, oh, yeah, here's that part in Revelation where we meet where this happens or that happens. And this morning we're in Revelation 13 and 14, and we get to, we get to the passage where we meet the beast. And actually we get to meet two beasts. And when Dan was asking me my sermon title this morning, I felt this incredible moment of regret when Dave told me that I could have named my sermon Two Beasts or Not Two Beasts. I was like, oh, man, I can't believe I missed that opportunity. Ah, uh, oh well. The beast, I mean, what more uh, can be said? We're going to say a lot, but just the thought conjures up all, all sorts of memories and ideas, a lot of ink and a lot of video and a lot of talking has been used up on this guy or these guys or whatever they are as we're going to see. Um, wow, I was, I was thinking, um, let's just round off our numbers here just for, because I'm not good at math but let's just round off our numbers and let's say 2,000 years since it was written and let's say like 40 years is a generation. So that's 50 generations, let's say, since this was written, give or take, right? And let's say every generation gets one good, really good shot of having a really good candidate for the beast, right? Like where all the Christians are like, oh, that's gotta be him, I mean, look, he's, he's got the right name, he's got the right face, he's got the right nationality, he's just got it all, that's got to be the beast. That means, since this was written, there's been at least 50 good candidates, right? Now, it may be that one generation just, just lived and died and went, we got nothing but morons, we, didn't, we had nobody who could possibly be the beast, nobody lived up to the qualifications, and it may be that another generation made up for it by having two or three, Right? But if you just think about that, it's like every generation probably is convinced that they've got one. This is him. And then they die. And it wasn't him. Oh, but wait a minute. We're going to see he can come back to life maybe. There's this mortal wound in the head. And, right? And it's just, it's just, it's just so easy we see um, to just get really captivated by this because it's just so fascinating who is this? And it's easy to get crazy with it. I, um, when I was in high school, um, Tartan and I are going to have a moment here, so the rest of you can just step out if you want to. But when I was in high school, there was this heavy metal band that came out with this album called The Number of the Beast. And this song was based on the, the guy who wrote the song went to the movie The Omen. Do you guys remember The Omen? Ooh, like no... Christian parent let their kid go see this movie. So this guy went to see the movie and he went home and he went to bed and he had a nightmare and he wrote a song about it and he called the song The Number of the Beast and it started with this guy with this really spooky voice reading the verse from Revelation and Christian parents went bananas. And um, I was reading up on this because I just, see I was in high school and I was kind of this kid who just kind of floated in no man's land. Like I knew... I didn't know what a Christian was, but I knew who church kids were. And I knew some church kids, and they were nice, but I knew that if you went extreme into church world, they were like kind of 
kind of crazy church people. But then I knew also there were these really, really unchurched kids, but they were kind of cool unchurched kids. But if you went too far in unchurched world, we got really crazy that way too. And I was just kind of here floating in the middle somewhere. And, um, but the song did kind of creep me out, and I didn't know why. It's like, I shouldn't be listening to this. There's something wrong here, right? And I was reading about this online this week, and I, um, I found out that there were parents who said, in 1983, I believe it was, that there were parents who were burning the album, and other Christian parents came along and said, you can't burn the album. You have to smash it with a hammer, because if you burn it, you might breathe demon fumes. Um, such is the beast that he does this sort of thing to us. Um, and you can imagine what happened just now when we were dealing with a virus that was spelled C-O-R-O-N-A. <gasps> Six letters. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Right. Okay, yeah. And, and, and this brings me to the passage because... It's a passage about worship. It's actually a worship, a worship chapter or two. And it's really brought to mind a question that I've only barely settled in my own brain since my kids were little. Um, and it kind of goes like this. Um, you have kids and they reach the age where you live in a really, really good neighborhood for trick-or-treating, right, and we did, and, um, and suddenly some of the parents are like, you're not going to let your kids go trick-or-treating, are you? Don't you know that's when we worship the dead and demons are out and stuff, and I'm like, okay, well, I respect your opinion on that, but it's fun, and I like, I like candy, and <laughs> they're going to go get it for me because there's a tax on that. It's called the dad tax. I get 10% of everything they bring home, right? Duh. So, um, but, but it did just bring to mind, it, I've, I've wrestled with this question a, a long time. Um, and it's the, the idea that do you accidentally worship something? Like, do you, do you just kind of unintentionally worship? Like when, when a kid dresses up like a Jedi... Well, maybe they've already made a bad move there. Okay, so not a Jedi. A cowboy. Okay, maybe they've made a bad move there. I can't think of anything that couldn't be criticized. Um, they've, they've dressed up like something, and they rang a doorbell and said, trick or treat. In that moment, could they be accidentally worshiping something other than just getting some candy, right? And I've, I've wrestled with that because I then had to say, well, is the opposite true? Like, if an atheist comes to my house for Christmas and watches us exchange gifts, could he accidentally worship Jesus? without meaning to. And I go, hmm. Right, because I love it every year when they like, they like the tree in Rockefeller Center and they sing joy to the world, the Lord has come, right? Red Earth Receiver King, right? And I'm watching these people on TV singing it and you gotta know, you gotta know some of those people don't believe a bit of what they're singing, but they're singing it anyway because the camera's on them. And I'm like, Jesus said, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. So is this worship that's happening? Like, are they accidentally worshiping? And in this passage, it just seems, and I'm just talking about this one, that the worship is very, very intentional. In other words, 
Um, the followers of the beast will not become followers of the beast in this passage because they listened to a song in high school, right? Um, or they went trick-or-treating. Um, and I'm not, that's not my point. My point is, this is so on purpose. And it kind of really, it gets to the heart here of, of what worship is because along with the mark of the beast, there's the mark of the lamb. And we only talk about the mark of the beast because that's exciting, but there's the mark of the lamb and there's people who worship the lamb in this text. And it all comes down to worship. And when you put what we just did singing together in the context of like the beast and the lamb and people are dying and judgment's happening. Boy, that lends an entirely different sort of gravity <laughs> to what, um, what we do in this place. So let me, let me jump in. Um, it's a long text. They've been long texts. Um, and I just want to read it through. And then I want to go back through, kind of starting at the end and working my way back up. And I want to talk about worship, but I'm, um, I'm going to throw in a bonus. There's a bonus this morning that you did not know you were going to get. And the bonus is this. I'm going to tell you how you can recognize the beast. So when I get to that point, you better have your pens and pencils and video. You better be ready because I'm just saying it once. Okay, I'll say it twice just in case you aren't ready. I'm just letting you know that's coming at the end, okay? I'm going to tell you how to recognize the beast. Okay, um, let me read this through. I'm going to read it in the New Living, and then we'll go back through it uh, piece by piece. Um, Revelation 13 and 14. And one of the things I just I want to remind you of as we get into this, and I kind of say this every week, but um, the further you get into Revelation, it seems the more you have a lot of overlap with things kind of happening all together at the same time, and the more you see stuff and you go, oh, we saw that before, and the more you see stuff and you go, whoa, that's right smack out of the Old Testament, right? And so um, it, gets, it gets more and more difficult. If any of you here who have ever taught through Revelation, you know, it gets more and more difficult to take big chunks of text, and here I am with two chapters uh, so you're just you're going to have to be patient with what I don't say this morning, and um, here we go, chapter thirteen and fourteen of Revelation. Then I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. Now, if you remember last week, we ended, and it was this dragon, and um, there's this big war in heaven, and he loses, and he's standing, and it says the dragon took his stand on the shore beside the sea. So, so there's this dragon standing on the sea shore. And then this happens. I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. It had seven heads and ten horns with ten crowns on its horns. And written on each head were names that blasphemed God. This beast looked like a leopard, but it had the feet of a bear and the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave the beast his own power and throne and great authority. I saw that one of the heads of the beast seemed wounded beyond recovery, but the fatal wound was healed. The whole world marveled at this miracle and gave allegiance to the beast. They worshipped the dragon, 
for giving the beast such power, and they also worshipped the beast. Who is this great beast, they exclaimed, who is, who is able to fight against him? Then the beast was allowed to speak great blasphemies against God, and he was given authority to do whatever he wanted for 42 months. And he spoke terrible words of blasphemy against God, slandering his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. And the beast was allowed to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And he was given authority to rule over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all the people who belong to this world worship the beast. They are the ones whose names were not written in the book of life that belonged to the lamb who was slaughtered before the world was made. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Anyone who is destined for prison will be taken to prison. Anyone destined to die by the sword will die by the sword. This means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently and remain faithful. Then I saw another beast come up out of the earth. He had two horns, like those of a lamb, but he spoke with the voice of a dragon. He exercised all the authority of the first beast and he required all of the earth and its people to worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. He did astounding miracles, even making fire flash down to earth from the sky while everyone was watching. And with all the miracles he was allowed to perform on behalf of the first beast, he deceived all the people who belonged to this world. He ordered the people to make a great statue of the first beast who was fatally wounded and then came back to life. It's three times it's been mentioned now. He was then permitted to give life to this statue so that it could speak. And then the statue of the beast commanded that anyone refusing to worship it must die. He required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead. And no one could buy or sell anything without that mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. Wisdom is needed here. Let the one with understanding solve the meaning of the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. I have to say just something really quick. There are actually, if you have a little note in your margin, there are actually a few old ancient manuscripts that say the number is 616. Those aren't reliable manuscripts, but there's a few out there. And I just think that's hilarious because wouldn't it be great if it were 616 and we were like all getting freaked out about the number 666 and it weren't. Okay, anyway, 616 just doesn't sound very ominous, does it? Ooh, yeah, anyway, back to chapter 14. Then I saw a lamb standing on Mount Zion and with him were 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of a mighty ocean waves or the rolling of loud thunder. And it was like the sound of many harpists playing together. And this great choir sang a wonderful new song in front of the throne of God and before the four living beings and the 24 elders. No one could learn this song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. They'd kept themselves as pure as virgins, following the Lamb wherever he goes. They have been purchased from among the people of the earth as a special offering to God and to the Lamb. They have told no lies, and they are without blame. 
and I saw another angel flying through the sky, carrying the eternal good news to proclaim to the people who belong to this world, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. Fear God, he shouted. Give glory to him, for the time has come when he will sit as judge. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all the springs of water. Then another angel followed him through the sky, shouting, Babylon is fallen, that great city is fallen, because she has made all the nations of the world drink the wine of her passionate immorality. Then a third angel followed them, shouting, Anyone who worships the beast and his statue or accepts his mark on the forehead or on the hand must drink the wine of God's anger. It has been poured full strength into the cup of wrath, and they will be tormented with fire and burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels of the Lamb and of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. And they will have no relief day or night, for they have worshipped the beast and his statue and accepted the mark of his name. This means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently, obeying his commands and maintaining their faith in Jesus. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, write this down. Blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they are blessed indeed, for they will rest from their hard work, for their good deeds follow them. One last paragraph. Then I saw a white cloud, and seated on the cloud was someone like the Son of Man. He had a gold crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. And then another angel came from the temple and shouted to the one sitting on the cloud, Swing the sickle, for the time of harvest has come. The crop on earth is ripe. So the one sitting on the clouds swung his sickle over the earth, and the whole earth was harvested. After that, another angel came from the temple in heaven, and he also had a sharp sickle. And then another angel, who had the power to destroy with fire, came from the altar, and he shouted to the angel with the sharp sickle, sharp sickle, swing your sickle now to gather the clusters of grapes from the vines of the earth, for they are ripe for judgment. So the angel swung his sickle over the earth and loaded the grapes into the great winepress of God's wrath. The grapes were trampled in the winepress outside the city and the blood flowed from the winepress in a stream about 180 miles long and as high as a horse's bridle. It's a happy ending, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. So the calling here is repeated twice. In this constant text of we worship these beasts or we worship this lamb, um, the, con- the, the calling is, is, is repeated twice. It's the call to endure. It's the call to patient endurance. It's the call to faithfulness, which frankly just isn't exciting, right? Um, but... If we remember that this was actually written to a church in John's day, we've got to remember that, that there were people who read this way back when. And if you remember even those seven churches, do you remember what each one was tempted with? Basically, they were, they were all dealing with some of the same things. Some of the churches were suffering persecution because of their stand in worshiping Christ and Christ alone. And if their stand for the gospel, they were already suffering. And some of the churches were thinking that the Roman government was actually pretty cool and living in this new Roman world was actually not that bad and they were just kind of getting comfortable in the world and they were just kind of conforming to the world. And those were the two big temptations. And the call here is, this is getting bad, bad, bad. 
It's coming down to these two sides, and there's judgment involved. And it's just the call to patient endurance. And if you start at the end, the, the, the ending of this passage is there's a harvest coming. There's a harvest coming, and it's this harvest of judgment. And, and Jesus talked about this in his parables, right? right where these wheat and these tares were, were together, and this harvest comes, and they're right, and it's all separated out. And it's, it's, it's this terrible picture, really. But there's, it's a sickle. Did anybody ever have to use a sickle? Yeah. I had to use a sickle. We had a creek in our backyard and the sides, this is before weed eaters were invented and dad would hand me this sickle and I had to go out there and, oh man, it's hard work. But this is, this is reaping with a sickle and so you're just picturing just whoosh. It's just this picture of the people being cut down and brought in for judgment. It's just, there's such a finality to it, Right? You don't put the sickle to something and then go, oops, I didn't mean to sickle that. Let me put that back together, right? So that's, that's kind of like the warning for one group and the encouragement for the other group. The harvest is coming. So the call for patient endurance and faith and faithfulness. And the New Testament has so much to say about endurance that I can't even get into it all, but... Um, I was thinking of the parable of the seed and the sower and the soils. And do you remember there was that one soil where uh, just under the surface of the dirt, there was this rock, right? And the, the seed got the roots and the sun came out and it just withered. And when Jesus explained it, he, he said, well, these are people who just withered in persecution. And he says they, did not, they, they couldn't endure then you get over to Romans 5 and there's this cycle that Paul describes here where it's like there's, there's suffering and then there's endurance and then there's character and there's hope and there's suffering and there's endurance and there's character and hope. And he says in chapter 15, he says, and, I, and, and you have the scriptures and the whole purpose of, of the scriptures is that you'd be encouraged and the whole purpose of the encouragement is so that you would have endurance and you get to Hebrews 12, and what is it? You've got this great crowd of witnesses, and you're running with what? Endurance. And he says, but look at Jesus. Jesus endured for your sake. And so endurance isn't glamorous. It's just, you just keep going in faith. And I, I couldn't help but think of whenever we do the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church every year in November, and these people who are suffering intense persecution, these people who have come out of prisons and labor camps, and they say, we here are asking, how can we pray for you? And before they say anything about the persecution ending, they just say, well, just pray that we would be able to endure. Pray that we'd be able to remain faithful. It's, it's stunning. And so it doesn't, it doesn't sound that glamorous, but twice he says it. And he even uses the line from the seven churches that he said every time. Have you got a hear, ear to hear this? You need to endure. I'm just calling you and I'm encouraging you to endurance. Here's the call for the endurance of the saints to keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus Christ is the second one. The first one, here's a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. 
And then it boils down to these, these, two, these two acts of worship. One is a beast, and one is a lamb. Um, isn't the beast, isn't it a word? I mean, imagine if the movie were called Beauty and the Angry Former Prince. Beauty and the grumpy furry guy. <laughs> no, he's a beast. We sing, kill the beast, right? And the beast kills Gaston, right? So there's just these beasts, and there's two of them. And they, they're, they're worshipped. You say, who would worship a beast? Right? And there's all this, if go to Daniel 7. Oh my goodness, it's all there. They're coming out of Daniel, and... and there's all these, these, these different ones coming into the different animals, and it's like here they all get put into one. And in Daniel, they're nations, and so there's scholars go back and forth. Is this an individual, or does the beast actually represent um, a nation? And I just say definitely one of those. But <laughs> one of them gets a sword to the head, apparently, and he's good as dead, and he rises again. And he's got these blasphemous names. So... He's basically taking upon himself all of the names that only God should have. So he's calling himself Savior. He's calling himself God. He's calling himself Lord. He's calling himself Christ. He's calling himself Messiah. And he's got a throne and he has authority. And it says the whole earth marveled as they followed. And it says, and they worshipped the dragon. Why? Because he had given authority. And it says, and they worshipped the beast. And they said, who is like this beast? Does that sound familiar? There's no one like you, beast. This is just incredible. It's like everything reserved for, for Jesus is given to this beast. And it says his mouth uttered haughty and blasphemous words. He was given authority. The word blasphemy and blasphemous is over and over and over again. And power. And as it says, they worshipped. And they worshipped. And they worshipped. Then you go down to this other beast. And again, it's given more power. It's given more authority. And this one, it says, performs great signs. And by performing the signs, it deceives everyone who dwells on earth. And it says, cause this image to speak. Everyone who would not worship was slain. So you put this together and you start asking yourself, why? Why would anybody worship this beast? Because there's part of the equation that makes you go, well, I kind of understand that. I mean, he did practically rise from the dead and he is doing signs, but more than that, like there's this thing where you either get his name or his number. I, said, I don't know how that works. Maybe there's a choice. Do you want the name? You want the number? You want it? It's either your right hand or your forehead. Um, if you don't get it, you can't, you can't buy food. And so maybe you would think, well, 
Maybe these are just people who want to take care of their families, right? Got to get groceries. Can't buy or sell without it. May as well get it. So part part of me is like, well, I guess I can understand this. But then there's the blasphemy part. They're cursing, it says. They're cursing the God of heaven and the people who are there. And and this goes all the way back to Moses when he said, hey, listen, if a prophet comes and he performs miracles and signs and wonders and then he tells you not to follow God, get rid of that prophet. And even Jesus said, hey, listen, prophets are going to come and they're going to perform signs. Don't listen to them. This, This one's performing signs and people are being deceived. But... But see, that's the other side of this. This isn't just, oh, well, we need to do this so that we can go to the grocery store. This is, this allows our flesh to have free reign. We can do all the things that really we've been wanting to do, but we were kind of kept in check by kind of society, you know, and maybe there were some things that weren't quite, they were kind of uncouth, and you don't do it in a polite society, but now there's free reign, and frankly, we're just let loose to go. Right, And there's those people I kind of hate anyway, and we're free to make fun of them and mock them and just do whatever we want to them anyway. Right? So you've got the very worst part of human nature being played upon here, and it's just running. And why not just throw God into the whole thing and throw Jesus into the thing? Let's just, we'll curse him while we're at it. And what does he say? He uses the word over and over. They worshiped, they worshiped, they worshiped even says they marveled at him. And this isn't, it, just, it repeats it so much and you just realize this isn't by accident. This isn't, this isn't people who are just like, oh, well, I was just minding my own business and I, did this and I, I didn't even know it was worship. No, this, this is very worshipful. And then when you get to chapter 14, it's just as intentional, but it's the lamb, right? And this is the one who's worthy of the song and there's actually singing in chapter 14. You don't get a song in chapter 13, but you get a song in chapter 14. These people are singing, and it's like thunder. It's like a pounding waves. It's all these harps. These people are now standing on Mount Zion. These people who've kept themselves pure, and these angels are flying. Give God glory. Worship him. And those people are about to drink the wine of God's wrath. So the beast offers protection. The beast performs signs. The beast seems to have authority. There seem to be life and death consequences for not worshiping. But now here's the real person. Here's the the real savior, the real God, the real king, the real provider. And we sing to him. And everything just, we're at a part in Revelation where everything's just very, very clear about this. It's just, it's either this or this, right? So, I said we're going to, two things. Let me finish with two things. Here you go. I told you how to recognize the beast. Are you ready? Here's how you recognize who the beast is. There's two, two steps. 
Number one, he just said, you need wisdom. So in other words, it's not just smart people that recognize the beast, it's wise people. How do you get wisdom? The fear of the Lord's the beginning of wisdom, and if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. So if you're looking through your Bible, or you're looking at the world, and you're going to try to figure out who the beast is, and you don't fear God, and you're not asking for wisdom, you might land on the wrong guy. Just saying. So you need wisdom. But this is the most important part. Guys, you've got to remember this. This is how you figure out who the beast is. Ready? He's not the lamb. <laughs> He's the not lamb. Right? There you go. It's like he's not Jesus. He's not the lamb. And that's what Jesus' whole point was. People are going to come in my name. People are going to do this. People are going to do that. They're not me. They're not me. So the whole point is, focus on the real thing the beast will work himself out. You'll just be looking at the real thing. Everything else will be obvious because it, it's not him. So the beast, he's the not lamb. You know, the whole thing. Where you study the real thing, you can picture a counterfeit. Right? So, I mean, if you've got one conversation with somebody, you've got to pick a topic... Is it who the beast is or who the lamb is? You know, I'm, that's my point. I guess that's what I'm saying is that. Where's the passion? Where's the passion? It's in the lamb, not the not lamb. Okay, that's that. Um, but notice, I want to encourage us in something here. I hope, I hope you realize the power of just a weekly gathering where we all get together in a room and we sing and we worship. And the words on a screen call us up to just kind of something higher and someone higher and someone great and someone beautiful and someone who saves and someone who for real does all these things. And we all lift our voices up together and we sing the truth and we sing to someone who's worthy of worship. And we, it's a weekly reminder of all the other things that are not God. Do you realize how powerful that is? I know we use the word like subversive a lot, but it really is that. It's just let's all get together and remind each other as we sing who our provider isn't and who meets our needs and who our Savior is not and who our Savior is. There was a, a man who had been a missionary to China who... Um, who told me this story that these, these Chinese Christians were, they would get together anywhere they could gather in secret um, and just kind of move their meeting places around to, to keep the government from meeting them and throwing them in prison. And he said there was this one small group and they would like meet in, in tool sheds, just cram, you know, 15, 20 people into a tool shed and said in order um, to not get caught, they came to this agreement that they would not sing out loud that they would all get and look at each other and they would mouth the words to worship songs. <laughs> Why? Because worship. Because worship. It's just a powerful thing. 
that this group of people got together and they would mouth the words where they would remind each other that Jesus is greater than those people who could show up any minute and kill us. And this government is not our provider. They might think they're the givers and takers awayers, but they're not. God gives and God takes away. And so we're just going to gather and we're going to worship even if nothing comes out of our mouths. We'll just mouth the words to the song. We, we pray, thank you, God, for the freedom to worship, and I hope we understand what a big deal it is that a group of people gets up here on Sunday morning and leads us in song. It's a big deal because it reminds us that it's going to come to a point where people are worshiping beast and people are worshiping a lamb, and that's kind of what it comes down to. A harvest is coming, y'all. A harvest is coming. It's going to be final. It's going to be it. I don't even know if we're here in this part. Whatever the case may be, the harvest is coming. Maybe we're, getting, maybe we're in the setup crew. Let's be passionate about, more passionate about the lamb than we are the not lamb. And may our worship be what would take us to the nations. Let me pray for us. Lord, would you put this endurance in our heart? God, you, you, you gave it to us twice in this passage. May we be a people who endure. And I don't, I don't know anybody who likes it when their patience is tested. Nobody likes to wait. Nobody likes to have to do something hard more than one day in a row. Um, patient endurance. Uh, that just is the most unglamorous thing ever. And yet that's just over and over and over again. And I just pray that you'd give it to us. And I pray that it wouldn't be a grit your teeth. I pray that it would be joyful and that the joy of the Lord would be the strength of my brothers and sisters in this room. And I pray, God, that we would just be a worshiping people. Worshippers and followers of the Lamb. Remind us of whose we are. Lord, I, this, this world wants to divide us in so many different ways. And your word divides things very, very differently. Just may our gatherings of worship remind us who you are and whose we are, Lord. And may that propel us to share the gospel while we have time to share the gospel. In Christ's name we pray, amen.